Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Portion number 20, it's in Exodus 27 through 30, it's all about... uh, Uh, what the revelation of the high priest can mean for you. Amen. And so uh, we're going to talk about the high priest. You know, we've been studying the last couple weeks on the giving of the covenant, the giving of the Ten Commandments, the building of the tabernacle, and there's been some powerful spiritual truths uh, that we've learned. Today the focus turns uh, to the role of the high priest. And, you know, look, we, uh, this may be review for some, but, uh, maybe you didn't know that the high priest, uh, that began with Aaron, he was Moses' older brother, and he got selected by God to be the first high priest. His responsibility, as was Moses, there was a, a, a sharing of that early on that fell exclusively to the high priest later, was the mediator between God and man. And how many of you have heard that scripture in the New Testament? There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Uh, and uh, we'll get into more of that here in just a minute. But the high priest uh, was responsible for maintaining in the tabernacle that atmosphere of worship and praise, that atmosphere uh, of holiness and godliness and righteousness, amen, and, and many other spiritual things. And it was under his direction that the Levitical priesthood did their thing. We don't often think about it, but uh, every week of the year, the Levitical priesthood rotated and performed many of the priestly duties in the tabernacle and later on in, in the temple. They were stewards over the rituals God gave them. Many people don't realize that they didn't invent that. You know, a lot of times we'll look back on uh, uh, the Old Testament things and, and we'll think, what a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> it wasn't mumbo-jumbo, all right? It wasn't something to disdain or something to be embarrassed about or something to think, why on earth did, did they end up? Because God instructed them. God said, do it this way. There's a pattern I want you to follow, Aaron, Moses, children of Israel, because you will be a prototype. And you will also foreshadow the work that would come through the Messiah. So it wasn't a bunch of stupid stuff. All right? Can we all be in agreement there? Say a loud amen so if they're on the podcast, they know you agree. (laughs) Praise God. And so uh, they were guardians of the anointing. Just like early morning intercessory prayer is an important time. And many of you uh, make it your custom to be here to pray because you're helping to guard the anointing. So salvation can happen. Deliverance can happen. Miracles can flow. And all of that is uh, uh, because... Of the Levitical priesthood 
in the New Testament, we'll get to that, uh, guards the anointing and ushers in the presence of God. Uh, and so in reality, the high priest, the Levitical priesthood uh, at large, they were the conduits for the blessing of God to be released upon God's people. Uh, and so uh, it was a very highly regarded role to be appointed high priest, right? And this is why God dressed the high priest in all those fancy garments of splendor. I don't know if you've studied that out, and we've talked about this together in the past, about the eight garments and how each garment pointed towards another aspect of forgiveness and atonement. We won't get into that uh, this year. Maybe next year we'll come back around and teach on that list. But every time the people would see the high priest, in his glorious garments, uh, they, they knew that God had selected this man and was honoring this man. And it was a role and position uh, to, uh, 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 to celebrate and to honor and respect. Right? And so part of that was intended so that when people would see the high priest they would realize this represents the coming Messiah. Amen? This represents what the Messiah will come to do at some point in the future. No one knew at that time when. To this day, we don't know when the Messiah is going to come and be that glorious high priest stationed in Jerusalem, ruling and reigning over the world with the true one world government, one world religion. I like that. That day is coming soon. The government will be on his shoulders. But we even now don't know the day or the hour, but we can picture through the word and through the teaching in our mind's eye the glory of God, that Shekinah glory that's going to be manifested. Uh, and, uh, and so Jesus now is our great high priest. So all the ceremonial laws weren't given to punish Israel. The rituals, the laws, even to this day, shouldn't be disregarded or altered in any way. Let not one jot or tittle be removed from the word. Let heaven and earth pass away, but don't let what we're talking about today pass away. And it's not so that we can uh, go back and try to replicate all the rituals. But we're supposed to be, as believers, looking back on that and understand, well, what are you trying to tell me with all of this, Lord? What's the revelation? What are the divine principles? What are you trying to teach me as I read and study all of this? I'm glad you asked that question. (laughs) The first and perhaps the most important thing we can learn is that what God designed, beginning with Aaron foreshadows our own priestly destiny. Come on, somebody. Right? We're not born into a physical line of some Levitical, Aaronic priesthood. The sons of Aaron were back in the day, but we are born again into all of it spiritually. 
We're not born physically into it, but spiritually we are. Well, how can I say that? Because the Bible tells me so. All right. One of the many scriptures that speak to this is in Revelation 1.5. Turn over there if you brought your Bible. I see some of you are taking notes. God bless you. Revelation 1.5 says, and this is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ for the last days. And it says, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, has made us kings and priests. Someone say king. Someone say priest. We're made kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So right there, the, the, and especially now in these end times, you and I need to carry ourselves in a different way. There is a culture war, there is an antichrist spirit, that every, every principle, every uh, uh, guideline, everything out of the word of God, the things that you and I treasure and cherish and have laid hold of is under attack. Right? It's under attack. And the devil is working out a plan right now to make all of his people that are unrighteous be declared righteous. Have you noticed that? Let's let them out from jail. They've committed the most horrendous time. Let's not have any cash bail. Let's, let's let them walk the streets of your neighborhood without any penalty for the crimes that they've committed. That's the devil trying to declare what is unrighteous and unholy, righteous and holy. He's saying, I am granting them forgiveness from my kingdom, the devil's kingdom, so that they can be absolved from any consequence of their sin. Wrong, 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 wrong. May God raise us up as kings and priests and discern between what's holy and unholy, what between what's righteous and unrighteous, and never be ashamed to declare it. Amen. I got a bunch of amens. I'm, I'm in the right place. Now, originally, God only recognized descendants of Aaron as priests. But now we're learning that through Jesus, we're grafted into a divine assignment, right? We're just not churchgoers that come and sit in a pew and become pewy, right? We've got a divine assignment, right? And look, Jesus earned the right to bypass all of the established physical requirements that God had originally laid, originally had laid out, and he was able to bypass all of that because he rose from the dead by virtue of his resurrection. What right does Jesus have to be called our high? He rose from the dead, that's what. <laughs> He's a resurrected Savior, that's what. He overcame every obstacle, every challenge, every sin, every temptation, even death is itself. And so he lays hold of that title, and no devil on earth, no man can remove that. They're trying. 
They think they got an angle that can remove him from office, but he holds the highest office. Our high priest, our savior, our redeemer, our king cannot be removed from office. And now, by faith, in his death and resurrection, we're adopted into the family. We're grafted in to everything that God said. And so this means we're born again into a royal line. Hallelujah. I'm talking to royalty out here. You're royalty. Hallelujah. Yes, we're part of the body of Christ. And every member of the body of Christ, no matter big or small, more, uh, seemingly more important or less important, no one is irrelevant. Amen. No one's an accident. And beyond that, you're part of royalty. You are joint heirs with Jesus to every promise of God in the good book. Amen? And as a result of that, we're part of God's priesthood. Okay? And that means that as born-again believers, we're people committed or learning how to be committed to serving God with all of our heart and soul and strength and to serving people with all of our heart and soul and strength. Amen? That's our duty. Christians don't like to hear about their duty. Yeah, you've got duties. Respond. You're part of the priesthood. Just like the priest went to the temple and performed certain things, you're part of the, you are the temple and you need to perform certain things. It's called Be Kind to Christian Week. Be Kind to the World Week and help those that are in the snare of the devil get set free and get born again so that they get on the pathway to life and blessing. So, yeah, we're the light of the world. This, this is a principle that really not everybody has laid hold of. But it should speak volumes to you and I about our level of devotion and commitment and responsibility. We're not just going to hire a pastor to do it all. <laughs> That's not God's plan. His plan is for all of us to find our divine assignment and role. It could just start really tiny, as the size of a grain of mustard seed. Send a text to somebody and tell them Jesus loves them. Fulfilling your divine assignment. Make a phone call. Do do people still call anymore? (laughs) Just thinking about you, sister. Just thinking about you, brother. Just want you to know God loves you and your destiny is far from over. Your best is yet to come. Right? The apostle Peter wrote about this. Right? In 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. We've sang the song, You are a chosen people. You and I. He says you are a royal priesthood. Now if what we're talking about isn't true, then what the heck is Peter including that in the holy word of God for? That you, 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 me and all of us are part of a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. Why do you think that one nation under God is trying to be written out of history? 
Because the devil hates God and hates God's people and trying to rewrite everything. But you and I as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that will declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Our job is to do that. Wherever we go, whoever we're texting, Whoever's on you, following you on social media, they don't need to hear you complaining and being ugly. They need to hear you being the Pope of Hope. Amen. Turn and tell somebody you're the Pope of Hope. I told Pastor a few weeks ago, you went from being a dope dealer to a hope dealer. Amen. Amen. So what we're talking about is really quite a privilege. God has chosen us to be his representatives. And we've been given so much more than casual Christianity. Amen? Amen. What we're doing and talking about is much more than an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. Right? It's a whole lifestyle. Right? And that lifestyle is to be centered on the Lord. Especially in our own homes. See, our prayer life is so important. The time that we give to studying is so important. Our parenting philosophy, our financial philosophy, our giving philosophy, how we talk, how we interact, all the things that make up what you do 24 hours a day are all intended like the high priest was dressed for success and clothed in garments of splendor. You're to be clothed in righteousness, in godliness, in morality, having ethics and integrity, having conviction and passion and devotion that I'm in it to win it. Not a casual Christian. There should be no, that should be an oxymoron. (laughs) So once we're born again, this is where I differ from the people that teach on hyper grace. Once we're saved, which takes, you know, a millisecond, we have to, from that point forward, begin to change our priorities and make the necessary sacrifices to make our lives a shining example of the love of God. Well, there's nothing I have to do. The guy told me when I prayed, there's nothing I have to do. Well, he was wrong. (laughs) You're part of a priesthood. A holy nation. You've been called out of darkness to live a unique lifestyle. Out with the old, in with the new. Ed Cole, the great Maximize Manhood Men's Minister, uh, used to sing the song in his meetings, I'll tell you the best thing I ever did do was take off the old man and put on the new. All right? That's a lifestyle. Now, we don't do those things uh, to become a priest. 
That just that honor is conferred upon you when you say, "Jesus, forgive me of every sin, break the power of every curse, connect me to the promises of God, and help me walk the walk that you walked, and let me be an imitator of you." We don't that that that's uh, uh, becoming a priest. You don't do a lot of things to earn that honor, but. It's expected of you because you are a priest. God expects that of all of us. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. Look at Romans 12.1. Brothers and sisters, in view of all we have just shared about God's compassion, I encourage you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, dedicated to God and pleasing to Him. This kind of worship is appropriate for you. I rest my case. Do we have a, a amen from the jury? <laughs> right? So, we're not, it's, all of this isn't required to become a priest. That happens instantly. Right? It, but rather it's expected because we are kings and priests. Look at Hebrews 13, 15. Through Yeshua, we should always bring God a sacrifice of praise. That is, words that acknowledge Him. Don't forget to do good things for others and to share what you have with them. These are the kind of sacrifices that please God. Ah, so there's a a sacrificial side of our Christian life. See, uh, you know, that's one of the dangers of the prosperity message, the word of faith, full gospel uh, message, is that we just think everything's about us. And when we get into that place where it doesn't feel convenient and we don't feel like sacrificing and all of a sudden we start yielding more and more to the wrong feeling. You're living by the rock group Boston. (laughs) Really, it should be more than a feeling. It should be more than how you feel. Our goal isn't to be content and uh, uh, convenient and comfortable. Now, we'll take that when we can get it, but we've got to go out of our way and walk the extra mile, do the extra things that help our light to shine so that people in a dying world realize that uh, God loves them. Amen. Amen? And these kind of things are pleasing to God. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, it says, God has done all of this. He has restored our relationship with him through Christ and has given us the ministry of restoring relationships. In other words, God was using Christ to restore his relationship with humanity. He didn't hold people's faults against them. And he has given us the same message of restoring relationships. So go and tell others. We're a chosen people. 
Amen. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, and we have the ministry of reconciliation. That's a grand calling. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for entrusting us with that calling. I don't have to do that. I get to do that. Big difference. So whether it's to our family, our ch- in our church, in our community, And around the world, God's master plan is to use all of us jointly working together to make his appeal of salvation and reconciliation to the world. That's why we're the popes of hope. Amen. We're hope dealers, not dope dealers. So are we getting all of this? If you agree with everything, shout amen. Now, Jesus didn't come to abolish the role of high priest, but to take it to a higher level. All right? He was made eternal high priest. And we know where he is right now. He's sitting at where? The right hand of God the Father forever what? Making intercession for who? You and I. And the world at large. Amen? We won't take time to read it now, but in Leviticus 16, Pastor Larry has taught this uh, year in and year out, especially on Yom Kippur. Leviticus 16 is a beautiful chapter describing the duties of the high priest on the most holy day of the year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Only the high priest, you might recall, was allowed to enter the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. And it was on that day of atonement that he came in with the blood of the sacrifice on his hands and sprinkled it on the mercy seat not the judgment seat the mercy seat and he sprinkled it how many times seven and he did that to release atonement to release forgiveness to release redemption and to release the covenant blessings of God and all of that was a shadow of things to come. Because when Jesus came, he shed his blood. How many times? Seven. And those seven times that he shed his blood, uh, he went to the tabernacle in heaven and sprinkled that blood in heaven seven times, and it became an eternal sacrifice. Once and for all, that blood was shed, and that blood was sprinkled so that we could have atonement, and reconciliation, and forgiveness, and health and healing, and dominion and authority, and uh, just walk in that sense that God is with me. No devil, no man can stop me because I am an overcomer and greater is he that is living in me than he that is in the world. Hebrews talks all about the transformation of the earthly to the heavenly, uh, the physical to the spiritual. And we're talking about the high priest. Let me just read a section of scripture in Hebrews 9. And in Hebrews 9.11, it says, So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. Notice that, all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands, 
and is not part of this created world. Verse 12, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured a redemption forever. Picture that. Hallelujah. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of the red heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Notice the old stuff worked. God didn't give the Israel and the Jewish people a bunch of hokey pokey stuff that was just legalistic, ritualistic mumbo jumbo. It says right here and he it worked. Why did it work? Because God said to do it and it'll work. And that still remains true to this day. But things got transformed. That's what that book of Hebrews is, is it's explaining the transformation of a lot of the things that went on in the temple and how now they were transferred to the Messiah. And now he would be the high priest to make sure that every blessing, every promise that God made could be released onto your life. He forever makes intercession for that to happen. For goodness gracious sakes. Just think how much, verse 14, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscious, consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. All that time we spend in the world getting our mind filled with stupid, worldly, devilish ideas has created an outcome. In order for you and I to get rid of the devil's outcome in our lives, we need to understand the power of the blood and the power of what our high priest has accomplished. And then we need to visualize that. We need to dig deeper into that and understand how that is alive in my life. You can't do that being a casual Christian. And especially as the birth pangs of the Messiah keep beating closer and closer, the world's going to keep getting uglier and uglier. It's going to be like watching a Clint Eastwood movie. The, the good, the bad, the ugly. And so it goes on to talk about how Christ is the perfect sacrifice. And he mediates that new covenant between God and people. Amen? So that we can walk into our inheritance. You have an inheritance. What is that inheritance? It's in the book. It's written down. But no one wants to study it anymore. It's too much work. I'd rather just get uh, 45 uh, characters in a text and that be my training. You ain't going to beat the devil with 45 characters. You'll become a character. You need 45 minutes, uh, uh, you know, out of the hour worshiping and praising and thinking about the good things and the powerful things of God. So Jesus is our high priest eternally. We don't have to come to the temple anymore, stand with the priest, bring an innocent lamb and sacrifice it on the altar. Uh, One of the reasons that we have a better covenant it's because we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> right? And in the old days, in Bible times, there was no drive-by. 
There wasn't a drive-through. You stay in your car, talk into a speaker. I'm here to uh, uh, sacrifice a lamb, drop it off at the drive-through window, and beat it out of there. (laughs) No, you walk the walk up the ramp to the altar, and the priest that was on duty gave you the knife. We don't know that. But that in and of itself probably prevented a lot of people from going out and sinning again. I don't want to do that no more. (laughs) Right? Unfortunately, this, what you could call a near-death experience. See, you were there, and all of a sudden you realize how close to death your sin brought you. And it was visually and physically... Man, I was that close to being that innocent lamb. Thank you, innocent lamb, for dying in my place. And thank you, God, for accepting that. That's why we have a better covenant. Maybe out of uh, everything that in, in modern times, watching a movie like The Passion might be the most powerful illustration of how much it costs for me to be saved right because you sit there and you watch all of that and it's overwhelming but no one's overwhelmed anymore everybody wants the easy way we don't want to think about the cost of salvation jesus shed his blood he died in our place so that we could have salvation and forgiveness and eternal life Amen. And so somehow in the church, we need a revival of repentance. Where people actually feel a sense of shame and remorse. Does anybody feel shame anymore? We're seeing it on TV and through social media and all these different forms. The world out there has no shame. They have no morals. They have no principles. And if we end up falling and making a mistake and fall into sin, we have a Savior who shed His blood. And if we'll sincerely come before Him and confess our sins and feel a sense of remorse, a sense of guilt, and Father, forgive me, I don't know why I did that, but cleanse me of that. Cleanse me of that desire and that urge and fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with forgiveness. Fill me with the promises of God. Amen. There's more. Because of what Jesus did as Savior and Redeemer, the veil has been removed from the Holy of Holies. They say in in ancient uh, teachings that the, the, the veil ripped from bottom to top. Symbolize looking up and realizing that that uh, what was separating Old Testament saints from the Shekinah glory and the presence of God and only being able to have access through the high priest, all of that's changing. It's being transformed. 
And Hebrews 4 says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings as we do, yet he did not sin. So now let us come boldly to the throne of a gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us in our time of need or when we need it the most. Amen. Now because Jesus is our high priest, we can go boldly before God the Father. And God is there. It's not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of mercy. In the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant was uh, topped off with the mercy seat. God is not looking to throw the book at people. He's a gracious God, a redeeming God. And now Yeshua oversees all of that. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he's overseeing all of that. And in, in the old days, Aaron served in the earthly tabernacle, but Jesus serves eternally in the heavenly tabernacle. And he's there to apply and to release the blessings of God. He's sitting there with a, a higher level of power, dominion, and authority than Aaron ever had. And he's there forever to release forgiveness and reconciliation between you and God. Hallelujah. He's there forever breaking every curse, removing every weight and bondage. Hallelujah. He's there forever releasing every covenant promise and blessing into your life. And he's there forever interceding that God's will be done, his kingdom come in your life as it is in heaven. That's good news this morning, folks. Come on, somebody. So Jesus didn't abolish all of this. He just came to take it to the highest possible levels. Now, we don't have time to get into this today, but uh, read uh, Hebrews chapter 7. I'll just give you a little taste of this. In verse 22, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lives forever. And it goes on from there. And so, thanks be to God, when you begin to understand what Jesus is, and when you call, call on the name of the Lord, who has the name above all names, Jesus. And what does that entitle us to as children of God, as part of the priesthood? He's the high priest. He's able to release, as you call upon his name, everything that we're talking about and more. Hallelujah! But here's an important part of the equation as we close. The high priest has been authorized to administer, to execute, and to implement the covenants of God. Okay, did you get that? He's just not, Jesus isn't sitting at the right hand of God just playing tiddlywinks. Right? 
He is there because he has been appointed high priest eternally to administer, to execute, and to implement the covenants of God. But here's the one thing that most Christians uh, never are taught. In general, we're not taught what Jesus is authorized to administer and execute and carry out on your behalf. We're not taught that. See, Hebrews 3.1 says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. He is the high priest of our confession. This says that the things that you declare, the things that you acknowledge, the things that you confess and profess, the things that you give thanks for are what the Lord is interceding to fulfill and accomplish. Can you get a picture of that? Jesus is ordained as high priest to put into effect the covenant promises of God. He's there to administer and execute and carry out the words that you're confessing. Oh my gosh. So, think about this. As Christians... If you're speaking and acknowledging and confessing the covenant promises of God by faith, in faith and a spirit of trusting and believing that what God said is true, His words and promises are yes and amen. And so what I'm speaking, what I'm acknowledging as they come out of the covenant promises of God, then Jesus and all of heaven begins to get behind you to accomplish and fulfill that. Oh, can you see that? Can you picture that? But if you don't know Jesus is the high priest of your confession and you're continually speaking and acknowledging and confessing the negative circumstances of life, it's extremely difficult for the Lord to turn your story upside down. How can I say that? Because he's the high priest of the covenants. See, people might be accustomed to speaking and acknowledging sickness and disease. Oh, it's flu season. Oh, I've always got this, I've always got that, there's this going on, that going on. And you're on the phone telling people how bad it is. All right? So if you spend your time telling others more about your illnesses than about the promises of God that are working in you to defeat those illnesses, you've got things backwards. You don't call people and tell them about the size of your mountain. You call people and tell them about the size of your God. What a mighty God we serve. But if you get this thing backwards, you make it difficult for the Lord to help you. Why? Because Jesus is not the high priest over your confession of sickness and disease. If your confession is all about sickness and disease, he can't work on your behalf to overturn that. Because you're confessing the wrong thing. He's the high priest of your confession. And when your confession lines up with the covenant promises of God, you're giving Jesus something to administer and execute and put into motion in your life. 
If you're always speaking about how weak and depressed and disadvantaged and sick you are, you got to change that. Right? Because the Lord can't carry that confession out. The Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the poor say I am rich. And the minute you say that, all of heaven gets behind you. And things are set into motion. Well, I tried that and it didn't happen by five. Well, it may have taken you, you you may have spent five years getting yourself into that pickle. So it might take a little longer than five minutes to get out of it. That's my little grandson. Hey, little grandson. Saba's not yelling. He's preaching. Jesus isn't going to administer sickness or disease or poverty or sin. He's defeated all of that. So stop talking and focusing on that. You're to be God inside minded, Bible inside minded, promise inside minded. A woman or man that spends all their time thinking about the problems has lost sight of the promise. Faith doesn't work that way. And he is the high priest of your confession. So let him be the high priest of your confession of salvation. Thank you, Lord, I am saved and forgiven, and the devil does not have any power over me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, I am delivered from the hand of the, uh, of the devil in every way. Healing is mine. Prosperity is mine. The joy of the Lord, the peace of God, every covenant promise is mine. And I just receive it, Lord Jesus. Now, all of heaven is getting behind that. Because that's what he's the high priest over. Amen? So if you think this through, and God opens the eyes of our understanding, we'll begin to come to the Lord, not speaking words of defeat, not speaking the words of the enemy, natural words, but the word of God. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Hallelujah. Father, thank you that I'm in health and that you want me to prosper and you're developing in me a prosperous soul. That's what he's going to get behind and empower you. So as the high priest, the Lord can put all of heaven's resources on our side to bring about victory. How many of you could use forgiveness and reconciliation or you know somebody? How many of you are thankful that every curse is broken and every blessing is released? How many of you are accustomed to releasing the blood-bought promises of God? Jesus paid for our inheritance in his blood. Claim that. Profess that. Confess that. Acknowledge that. And give thanks for it in all that you do. And you'll know that Jesus is forever in heaven as our high priest, ever living to make intercession that all of those things that you're confessing, he will administer and execute and bring to pass. Amen. Now that's a revelation of the high priest that can change somebody's life. Do you receive that this morning? Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise.
Amen.